fullback belly. Three tight ends, including Haydner. Kuhn is the fullback with the first and goal. Kuhn gets the ball. Final try The fantasy fullback dive is continuing our 2020 fantasy wolves series and beyond thrilled to welcome on for the first time the ringers Danny Kelly at Danny B Kelly he writes fantasy football just covers the NFL in general and also the draft while coast co-hosting the fantasy uh, the fa- the Ringer Fantasy Football Show used to be the Danasy Show, which I loved, uh, <laughs> yeah. but more SEO friendly, I'd say now. <laughs> still will be the Danasy Show is in my heart, man. How are you doing, brother? I'm doing well. Yeah, we're still the Danasy Show in our hearts, too. It's just uh, we want people to find the podcast. And <laughs> when you search Danasy Podcast, it, it just autocorrects to fantasy. So that's not like ideal. Um, yeah, not, not anyway. ideal at all. <laughs> uh, but still, as as it's always been, a great show. Uh, so we're going to today cover, of course, of course, the uh, 2020 fantasy football bounce back candidates, uh, guys who didn't really live up to expectations last season and kind of determine how confident we are doubling down on those guys, going back to the well. When done correctly, I mean, we saw it last year, Dalvin Cook, Aaron Jones, Cooper Cup, Allen Robinson, all really rebounded nicely in 2019. So it can be key to a victory, but you got to pick the right ones. So we'll look at those players that had some down years and then figure out, are we going back in? And of course, you can find all these show notes for this and all the interviews at ffbdpod.com. Be sure to check out again, the Ringer Fantasy Football Show. Recently, some, some great episodes, an awesome RB preview top sleepers draft day targets just so much since it's been released so make sure everybody listening check it out um, but before we do with every featured topic uh, again those bounce backs like i do with all the wolves i love to pick their brain and just kind of preview and share some of their recent must see content which brings me to your guys draft guide uh it's fantastic absolutely phenomenal you got all your targets rankings a mock draft with some of the goats in the industry and just it's so user-friendly to you click on a player and a little note pops up on them and best part it's 100 free so i mean great <laughs> content no price a no-brainer in my mind is there anything else that you know you want to add about that draft guide it's fantastic yeah i would just say that um first of all i appreciate that and then yeah i would just add you know if people who have seen either the NFL draft guide at the ringer or the NBA draft mm-hmm. guide at the ringer, it's, we have some really great people who do the, uh, just the, like the user experience for us and they yeah. put it all together. It's just really, really cool. So I'm really proud to just get to put my content on that because it's like the coolest little platform you could imagine. It just works really well. It works really well on, on mobile too. So, yeah. um, yeah, I would just say, you know, if you've seen those before, then you kind of know what you're getting into. It's just a really cool platform, really easy to navigate. And and yeah. Absolutely. Very, very user-friendly experience. And as a, you know, I love how you just click on a player and it gives you, if you want just the bottom line, you can get just the one word, you know, three word summary, and then you can really dig in if you want more. And just like your draft guide too, you can kind of really customize it to what are you looking for that day? How much information do you want at once? Um, It is so user-friendly and just, caters to your learning preference and style all at once. So I, I really do love it. Um, I, as I always kind of start out with this, like picking the wolf's brain process, I just love to know, you know, what was your path into this fantasy industry? You know, when did you get involved? How'd you get involved? And do you have any advice for others looking to break into this space? 
Yeah, I got involved. I, I think I've been doing fantasy for the ringer for about three or three and a half years now. Just um, started out kind of just, you know, the tip of the iceberg stuff, just real basic stuff. And then they've kind of like built me up over the last couple of years and, and let me do more of it. I really enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of been fun to find my niche. I've been doing general NFL for them since I started, but then they've kind of let me get more into the draft and fantasy, which has just been really fun. So um, yeah, my path to fantasy was just kind of asking if I could do more and kind of mm-hmm. just, you know, th- them realizing that it, it was a really good opportunity for, for the ringer to have more fantasy content. So um, been fa- been playing fantasy forever, but um, started out my career, mostly just writing about the NFL in general and, and X's and O's and things like that. I, I got into the industry writing about the Seattle Seahawks for SB nation. So I did that for about five years and then um, did NFL wide stuff for SB nation as well for a couple of years before getting, um, getting a job at the ringer. And, and yeah, I've just been at the ringer since basically it started. So um, about four years now, I guess. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I mean, obviously the ringer, a fantastic site. Um, did you just kind of build that body of work and just, you know, send it over and, and hope for the best as they release, like we're looking <laughs> for writers or how did yeah. you kind of get the attention of them? Uh, I, yeah, I just feel really lucky. I guess they knew who I was somehow. Yeah. Um, and they reached out to me actually when they oh, were awesome. first starting. So yeah, it was really, really just, I feel lucky for, for having that opportunity. Uh, it was, yeah, I think it, I, dabbled in pretty much everything i did draft stuff i did x's and o's i was also running the seahawks blog so i i got to experience like a lot of the different sides of sort of like the different niches i guess in the in the football world so um yeah and did some podcasting for sb nation back in the day i was actually i did some podcasting with uh Stephen white and pft commenter before yeah. he went over to barstool so that's kind of just this random little tidbit but um yeah it's it you know I would say for people looking to break into any of the sports world, it, you know, just be willing to do whatever I did blogging. You know, I did, we did a Seattle specific website for like a year where we were covering all the different sports in Seattle, basically just, you know, this is like a cliche, I guess, but just write as much as you can, because the more reps you get, like the better you get at it. Uh, I'd say the same for podcasting, just get as many reps in as you can practice and it becomes like more second nature, but you become more comfortable doing it. And I would say, yeah, there's not, you can't really replace reps really. Exactly. As with anything in life, but yeah, the more and more at bats you get, the better your swings are going to be. Absolutely. Um, what about your process? You said you've been playing fantasy for a while. Are there any routines ever since you started or whether you've, you know, acquired new routines and best practices that you kind of start with every season when you're developing your rankings, evaluations, just getting started every year? I don't have like a specific process where I'm going through like a checklist or anything, but I think for mm-hmm. me, the biggest thing is reading as much as possible and listening to as many podcasts, like podcasts, you can learn a lot from, I feel like yeah. it's, you can turn up the, you know, the speed to one and a half and kind of get through like podcasts a little bit faster. Um, I just try and soak up as much information from different analysts around, you know, around the game. Um, just to get different perspectives because you get stuck. I I always find that I get stuck with biases on players and I end up sort of just ignoring certain players and that sometimes can cost you. Sometimes it's good to just follow your gut, but um, I like to try and soak up as much information as possible. Read a lot from beat writers because they really know their teams um, and they, and they have a good idea of who's going to get the most volume and, and things like that. So my process really is just consuming as much 
information as I can before the season from people that are, you know, trustworthy and, and know what they're talking about, because um, that just gives you more ammunition to make your decisions when the draft day happens. I think a great example of, you know, the, the points you're illustrating there for me personally this year was Allen Robinson wasn't a guy, you know, on my gut, I'm looking for based on his yeah. draft price. I kind of wasn't going for, and I had Elvin, Evan Silva on not too long ago. And he was like, he's number six in my rankings. I think he could lead the league in receptions. And he, he laid out this really good case about how great he's been with crap QB play. So even if Nick Foles is marginally better, like, you know, he, he lays out this great case. And I look at Matt Harmon's reception perception and it's like, you know, everywhere he's lighting it up. And he's just like, Alan Robinson really is a stud. And he really has been getting it done at a very high level. Why am I not? So it is that bed process of trusting the gut, but then also, you know, finding those right shoulders to lean upon when you see a good t- take. In that sense, yeah. are there any other, other analysts that you you always make sure you're checking in on their content or guys that really help influence your opinions uh well you mentioned silva i think silva is just one of the ogs and and yeah you know the fantasy football game i always listen to the establish the run podcasting that's just really you know you're gonna get a ton of information listening to that and mm-hmm. silva's just so concise and convicted in in all of his opinions yeah. that i just like i think if you're in, trying to get into fantasy like try and emulate emulate him because he's he's really just good at what he does um scott barrett is one of my kind of yeah. confidants i bounce a lot of questions off of him um all the guys really at fantasy points are awesome um mm. so i would say those are kind of like my two go-tos off the top of my head there's there's just so many guys in the industry though pat doherty at roto world um you know, Ian Harditz, who I think just moved over to PFF and, yep. and, you know, they're going to have some really great stuff this year, I think from him. So, yeah, I think, you know, those are the kind of guys that come to mind, but there's, there's just a lot of really, really smart um, people in the industry, Matt Berry, obviously, and, and mm-hmm. um, guys at ESPN. So, yeah, I think Scott Barrett is probably like my first go-to whenever I have a question though. I think I, I'm like hitting, hitting him up in the DMS like every day, pretty much. <laughs> he he is absolutely fantastic. I've had him on the pod a, a couple times now. He was actually probably like the first like big name I ever like really landed with and connected with. Um, and, and now I've had him on, I think three, four times. And it's always just an absolute blast. I mean, last year he got, yeah. he obviously Christian McCaffrey, you know, he was like, he's got to be one overall. And then he got, Mark Andrews on the pot. He nailed Lamar Jackson on our pot. It was just like, this guy, yeah. he just, he, he, it, it was, if you picked every cheat code of the season, he somehow had them all. <laughs> and, and a lot of them, I unfortunately was off on. So that's why it was so nice to have him on and give those takes. He, he is awesome. All those guys you yeah. mentioned, all fantastic. I think that's what I've noticed about the, the space is as you get more and more involved in Twitter, there's just so many smart fantasy guys out there. I never realized it until I got involved in Twitter. Um, it, it's it's oh, yeah. wild. Um, yeah. In terms of this season, obviously we're looking at probably one of the strangest off seasons, maybe of all time, obviously COVID-19. And there is like the, of course, doomsday scenario we hope does not happen. Seasons canceled. Uh, Who knows what way we're trending the way baseball is going right now, but let's kind of take the, 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 we're going to get 16 games, but are you adjusting for things with like rookies, players on new teams, new schemes, or do you still kind of just, are going with it how how are you approaching COVID-19 I guess I should say yeah that's a really good question I think ultimately honestly I haven't changed the process all that much because I think you can overthink it yeah Um, you know we don't really have any way to predict (laughs) if guys are going to lose time during the season to COVID I mean I get it, it seems based on what's happening in baseball it seems likely that teams are going to have to deal with um 
outbreaks, you know, in, in teams. So trying to predict who that's going to happen to, I think is impossible. I think if anything, maybe this season handcuffs are a little bit more important, especially for kind of like the, the foundational guys in your team. You know, if you get, if you have a guy that comes down with COVID, you know, 90 minutes before a game or whatever, you want to have sort of like a backup plan. So maybe that means you stop, you, you know, go heavier on handcuffs this, this year than normal. So I know handcuffs have kind of gone out of uh, fashion a little bit, I think over the last few years, but um, you know, this might be the year to kind of yeah. like keep that in mind just because there's going to be so many late scratches. You don't even have to have handcuffs, just guys that have guys that are one, you know, COVID infection. Like this, it's, crazy that we're in t- like say <laughs> right. to say that is just like weird but um you know if you have a guy come down with covid then then he gets forced into action in the fantasy football world like you know that's something to keep in mind but it man it's just it's going to be a strange season i really hope that you know we actually saw the saints yesterday talking about how they're going to do sort of their own mini bubble um, mm. for training camp i really well i suspect that's the only way this season's right. going to work if all teams you know, have to start doing that. You know, I think the NFL probably was, this is getting off track, but the NFL probably was going into the season thinking, let's, let's try and not have bubbles and we don't have to spend these millions and millions of dollars to like do this. But based on what's happening in baseball, I think that teams are probably going to be like, okay, there's no way we can do this without bubbles. So we have to spend the money. So that's kind of just my thought. I, I totally agree. It's uh, I think uh, Pat Thorman has like the hashtag bubble or bust kind of trending with it with <laughs> his content a lot, but yeah. it's true. I mean, we're seeing if, if baseball, one of the most spread out sports, no contact really between players or very little compared Less, to football. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, if, if that's having these cases and uprising, like what is going to happen if there's no type of system, like a bubble in place. And, and I get the logistical nightmare when you have bigger rosters, a longer season, uh, who knows what it could end up being but there has to you've got to be hoping at least they're coming up with some sort of bubble type plan uh, in different yeah. areas you know <laughs> who knows how much faith we can have in Goodell to, to pull something like that off but man it's it, gonna be it, like it is up to the yeah. teams to do it I feel like yeah so. right and that, that's what it seems like um but yeah last couple here before we dive into again that that double down fantasy bounce backs are you talked about the 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 type of analysts you like to check out and make sure you cross your your rankings on and everything is there any type of like analytics or stats film and and or any other just like fantasy tools that you really like to use um to to nail down your analysis um i so i feel like there's diminishing law diminishing returns when it comes to like diving too too deep into stats because at the end of the Mm -hmm. day i mean efficiency stats don't have a heavy heavy correlation typically with with most positions they do actually correlate pretty well with quarterbacks but um i feel like you kind of know who the good quarterbacks are (laughs) like it's it's not like hard to see if a quarterback is really efficient so um i don't try and you know you don't try and put too much stock into it you can definitely use efficiency stats like yards per route run as a popular one that kind of has shown some predictive power um that in order to kind of like find breakout type guys potentials the guys that have done really well in limited opportunities and they might have you know more of a chance this year you know based on that success in the past but i think ultimately like you're looking for the really basic stuff targets you know volume Mm -hmm. and so i try not to get i don't don't wait efficiency stats all that much i do go to airyards.com a lot i think that's just a really valuable resource they also have like the weighted opportunity rating which kind of you know it weights targets plus yards and and things like that i think 
now I'm off the top of my head. I'm forgetting exactly how they do that, but basically it's like, it's a weighted opportunity rating where they basically, you can see guys that are going to be getting a lot of, um, fantasy scoring opportunity, which is obviously right. really important. So, um, yeah, I just think, um, my, my goal typically is to definitely look into the stats and have a good grasp of guys that are efficient with their opportunities. But at the end of the day, basic stuff like targets and, and yards <laughs> and yeah. snaps, snaps even for running backs are, are really what you want. And so, um, for me, I'm more looking to predict which guys are going to get the most volume. And that, that's basically the name of the game um, is figuring out which guys are going to have a big part in their offense. Thousand percent. If they're not on the field, they're not getting used. They're not going to rack up. It's as basic as it sounds. So looking for those stats that predict volume and predict valuable volume, as you're talking about with weighted opportunities, all makes perfect sense. I know Rich Rebar had a really good recent article talking about those weighted type of opportunities for receivers where red zone versus, you know, five yard line totally. targets, they all got like a different type of weight. So I do love that type of stuff too. And, and Barrett, uh, we talked about, you know, bell cows who get receptions and how yeah. like a receptions three times as much volume. So if you're predicting that type of volume as well, so I, I love that, you know, looking for the stats that predict volume and then also the most valuable type of volume is, is definitely, is, it, it sounds simple, but it, sometimes <laughs> I agree. People just overcomplicate and look at you know, all these things that I just, I, let's just kind of watch them play and who's going to be on the field, getting the touches. I yeah. lean more that way as well. Um, so now we're moving into that feature segment we've been previewing, the fantasy bounce backs, the double downs. We're going to check out some of the biggest disappointments from last year, either based on the hype they were getting and or the draft price um, you were paying for them, and then see if we're willing to kind of double down and hope they bounce back or if we're just going to keep avoiding them and the pain they've caused us in that season. <laughs> um, it didn't really get too much more painful than the Steelers last year with Juju yeah. and James Conner. <laughs> Hideous. Yeah. Two of the biggest busts, uh, you know, both were fringe first rounders. Connors was pretty much a block first rounder, RB7, 10th yeah. overall ADP last year. Juju, wide receiver, 6th and 15th overall. They obviously underwhelmed. Um, Juju was the wide receiver, 61 in PPR points per game. Connor was just in and out all season, eight full contests. RB18 in points per game wasn't bad, but if you had Connor as your first rounder, you probably didn't win your league. Um, but now the price this year, you know, Connor's going to 44th overall the running back 22 according to fantasy pros juju's a little more expensive wide receiver 16 and 39 overall how confident are you doubling uh you know back down on these guys either both of them or just one versus the other uh why don't we just start with juju are you confident going back in on juju this year i am yeah i i don't know if i'm necessarily like he's not like a guy i need to leave the second round with necessarily but if he's sitting there um, I do think he's at a, a, a strong value because I, I think just overall the Steelers offense is going to look way, way different this year. And, that, and that's the yeah. big thing. Um, you know, obviously he's got that connection with big Ben that we've seen in the past. He's done it before he's still young. Um, and I, I just think he's, we saw worst case scenario for the Steelers last year is like big Ben, I think went out in week two or week one. I, I can't remember. Like it was really early. And their offense went from, you know, top 10 and top five offense to literally the worst offense in the NFL. Um, So I think, you know, I'm bullish on Juju. I think there's going to be tons of volume there. I think that, you know, getting big Ben back in that offense is going to be huge for him. Um, I guess my question is, is, you know, 
how big of a dent is Deontay Johnson, potentially James Washington going to make in his overall um, bottom line. But at the end of the day, I mean, I think Juju's still like the clear number one there. And, you know, I think right now he, he's a solid, solid value where he's at. I mean, the, the big Ben cases, obviously that, that played the major role with that. Uh, it, of course, when you lose your, your quarterback, you had a great rapport with my, my question is, is in addition to those, you know, other wide receivers uh, taking another step is, are we undervaluing? Are we not looking enough at Antonio Brown leaving and how the coverage shifted? And does that play a bigger role? You know, we've seen QB proof guys like Hopkins, 111 catches, 15, 21 yards, 11 TDs yeah. with Hoyer, Mallet, Yates, Whedon throwing him the fucking ball. I mean, that is just uh, disgusting. And he still got it done at an elite yeah. level. And to me, you know, James Washington had the wor- you know, the same awful QB play, but still somehow had more yards per game than Juju, their number one, supposedly. I don't know. Does that worry you at all? Like, is he a true bona fide alpha? Um, <laughs> that, that's my biggest worry, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. I'm in, I'm in the same boat, I think. Um, actually, I kind of played the devil's advocate a little bit on a recent podcast of ours where I was like, I basically said the same thing. Like, James Washington and Deontay Johnson – especially Deontay Johnson, people are really excited about Deontay Johnson. Right. You know, he's like one of these top sleeper candidates and James Washington actually outscored Deontay Johnson, like in the, from week 10 on. Mm-hmm. Um, so both of these guys have some, some real reason to have some hype and we are like excited about what they did last year. Um, and both of them kind of outplayed Juju. So it's just like, yeah. I guess, you know, <clears throat> the, the quarterback question is really important one. I think, you know, like, is he quarterback proof? But at the end of the day, like he's getting his quarterback back. Um, we hope at least, right. <laughs> in theory. Yeah. I think right. he will be um, at least for part of the season. And, you yeah. know, I, I just think he's easily the best bet. He like, there's, there's a short, short list of, of NFL receivers who have done what Juju's done, you know, at his age. True. So I think just overall, it's easier to bet on him bouncing back than him you know there's just I feel like there was just so many variables last year that kind of like held him down but I, I I do think he'll be back I do I am bullish on him but I I think that's actually a very valid concern it's something that I've been thinking about as well yeah and, and I, I mean as you said the there's the success rate of receivers who hit like Juju did in his first two years is extremely high like they it's almost yeah. always they have a very strong career if they produce that early at his age the breakout you know age it, it, there is definitely that case the other thing I don't love about him is the price right now in terms of like you're, you're going past, you know, DJ Moore, who seems to only be rising and rising. You're bypassing, according to fantasy pros, at least Odell Beckham, Calvin Ridley, Robinson, who I was talking about, like all guys I have even a, a whole tier above Juju. So, so based on his price, I don't know. I, I don't see myself doubling down this year when I could have had one of those other guys or what I like to do most often is go bell cow, bell cow, bell cow, try to get locked in three with my first three rounds. To me, I just I haven't mm. ended up with Juju on any teams because of the either receivers going around him or my my aim for a uh, for the running backs there. And speaking of the running backs, a potential bell cow in that price range as well is James Conner, who we alluded to too. Mm-hmm. Do you think he bounces back now that big Ben is, is returning or are you not as willing to double down on him? I mean, I think he, he is an even better value. Like, as you mentioned, he's right now on, on fantasy pros, his ADP is 40. So you can yeah. get him like, you know, that's a really solid value, especially for a guy who was a first rounder last year, um, mm-hmm. you know, like top eight guy. So 
Um, we know he has talent. We know that he's got injury concerns, but I do think he's going to get the volume in that offense. I mean, it's just like the, the Steelers kind of, that's just their MO. Um, you know, they did draft uh, Anthony McFarlane. I think he's, he's a great, like we, we talked about it earlier, like he's a great sort of handcuff type option in case, mm-hmm. you know, Connor has a bunch of injuries again this season. But I think if Connor is healthy, he's going to be the guy. And that, and that offense is going to be so much better with Big Ben. I mean, I just, we've seen the difference in the efficiency and overall effectiveness scoring points that offenses have when a good quarterback is under center. So um, I think it's just like a rising tide raises all shifts. Like I just think with Big Ben back under center that everybody in that offense, every fantasy factor, everybody that's a fantasy factor is just going to have a better year. And Connor is sort of like one of the, one of the last but like guys that's going to get a full workload that you can get kind of in that range. Like, I don't, I would rather have, like, if you want to play like the, the, the name game, mm-hmm. I would way rather have Connor than David Johnson at this point. I'd take Connor over probably Melvin Gordon, David Montgomery. I think I might take Jonathan Taylor over, Con- uh, over Connor just because it's maybe that's more fun, but <laughs> there's just, there's a lot more question marks around like his usage, I think than, than Connor. So um, Especially after that picture of, did you see that one from yesterday? Jonathan oh Taylor God. just looking like yeah. a D end. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. Holy shit. Yeah. He's um, definitely like a freak, a freak of nature athlete. So it's going to be really fun to see him play. I can't wait to watch him, but yes, I mean, all ships do rise. They, they go from the fifth scoring offense to the 27th, 26.8 points per game to 18.1. So certainly both guys could bounce back. I personally do like Connor as a better bet, just the price around him and the, the idea of getting that workhorse. I mean, even with the, the shit around him last year in those eight full games, he, he did make it through. He averaged 17.4 points per game, which would have been the RB nine last year. And you know, Tomlin's already come out and said, I'm a featured runner type of guy. It, we've obviously seen that play out between, you know, Le'Veon Bell, Connor a year ago, but also D'Angelo Williams, when he had that, those opportunities, whenever Bell went out, he just got yeah. fed too. I, the, the averages were 24.6 opportunities. That's attempts and targets per game on average, regardless of who it was and 22.4 fantasy points per game uh, for his lead backs. And they av- on average finish at the running back two and a half in fantasy. So, I mean, that's yeah. a pretty impressive rate. <laughs> this guy was, you know, Connor, a league winner, 75.9% chance at making your playoffs just two seasons ago when he lit it up. Of course, the price was part of that, but yeah, fourth, you know, late third, early fourth, that type of bell cow. I mean, we're going to talk about two other bounce back bell cows next. You mentioned one of them already. I, I like Connor as a d- double down much more than either of these guys. One of them was David Johnson, who you alluded to, uh, mm-hmm. a, often a top five pick, um, gets hit with some injuries. Obviously, we have that run as well where he just looks like he's got like a piano on his back, and now everybody <laughs> is like, he's done, he's yeah. finished. Um, but he goes to a, a, at least a, a good-looking situation in Houston at first glance with, you know, Deshaun Watson, a solid overall offense and tons of available volume. So now that he's out of Arizona, are, you already kind of alluded to you'd rather have Connor. Are you willing to go into David Johnson at all? Or do you not think, you you know, not worth your double down time? Uh, I don't think I'm going to have very much David Johnson, if, I, if, yeah. if any, this year. I just think, I mean, look, I acknowledge that the volume is going to matter. And, you know, Carlos Hyde had over a 1,000 yards last season, and I don't right. think anyone's, like, really super excited about Carlos Hyde as a player anymore. Um, so, you know, I think I acknowledge that he could, you know, have a, a very good amount of volume. He could rush for over a 1,000 yards, but um, he's not a guy I'm really targeting. I just don't 
I don't know if the ceiling is there as much as people like want it to be. Um, you know, there's so Duke Johnson is still in the picture. I know that he's been like the most disappointing fantasy player for a lot of people <laughs> over the years. Um, and I get that, but he might be the guy that kind of gets all the third down work. He's a good receiver. Um, I don't know if I necessarily trust David Johnson to play a full season in terms of staying healthy, just based on, you know, he's had, had some issues with injuries in the last couple of seasons. So I don't know. He's just like, not a guy I'm excited about drafting. I just, he's, he's one of those guys, like if he's there on the clock, I'm probably looking at like a receiver or something instead. I just, you know, it, it obviously depends on how the draft goes. And if I really need a running back, maybe I'll go for him. But like I said, then I'd rather probably take a guy like, honestly, I'd probably take David Montgomery over David Johnson right now, just because I think they're both going to get a lot of volume. And I just trust Montgomery a little bit more than that. Maybe they kind of tells you everything, you know, everything I need to know about David Johnson is that like a guy who had a terrible rookie year, I still kind of yeah. trust him more. So um, yeah, I, I, I'm just not taking a lot of David Johnson. Yeah. I, I'm not either. I'm, I'm fully with you on that one where maybe this is just the spite type of guy where I had him in, you know, four out of five big <laughs> leagues last year. And you know, Hard those guys forget, that you're just yeah. like, I will never fucking take you again, no matter what you big, bad yeah. as shit. Like that type of guy. Uh, you know, I have that going for me, but even if not, I just, I don't know that the volume is, should be there. You know, Bill O'Brien's been top 12 in rush attempts every single year. He's been with the, the Texans and top, top five in three of those six seasons as well. And, uh, he just doesn't throw to the running backs a ton, which is also such a, a huge part of yeah. fantasy volume. Again, three times as value as a target is to a running back as compared to a carry. 28th, 32nd, 28th, 28th, 11th, one decent season, but 26th. So, you know, five out of six have been 26th or worse in terms of t- the targets to the running back. Uh, and you said Duke Johnson there. So if they're splitting a small aerial pie for running backs between each other, I just, it seems like unsexy type of volume to yeah. me, as good as Deshaun Watson is. I, I see that team just kind of being in a bunch of shootouts this year. The defense doesn't seem all that much improved to me. Um, and I think it's going to be a nice Watson season. I just, I'm just spited and I just don't, I, I'm with you. It's just the, the receivers go in there, McLaurin or, you know, different breakout receivers. I feel so much better about and just am excited to leave the draft with. What are we doing this for? If we're not going to be excited about our teams, <laughs> David Johnson excites me zero this year, despite yeah. all the volume he could get. I would um, way the, rather, I would way rather wait around if i can and get deandre swift or cam Akers. i mean honestly like i'd be way more excited about either of those guys um yeah exactly i mean i don't see david johnson offering a whole much more than like a jordan howard i mean i guess yeah obviously houston's a way better offense but i mean it's the same type of player in my mind i don't see him at this stage of the career i know that might seem ridiculous to say but <laughs> jordan howard if that that offense takes the next step you can get him also you know five rounds later if that's the type of running back i'm just trying to bet on volume why not wait five rounds and get a guy like jordan howard and hope he pans out yeah. I, there's too many upside receivers or you know those tight ends that could take that next leap to, yep. to where david johnson's going I don't know. I'm not going in at all. Another volume back to last year, you know, eighth in touches, seventh in receptions around running backs, but still only finishes RB 19 in points per game was Le'Veon Bell. Uh, <laughs> he was routinely a first rounder, top eight in almost every draft you do on average, the running back six and just was so meh all year. Uh, he's coming far cheaper now, 2020, 42nd overall in RB 20. But I don't know. Do, do you sense any reason or, or are you doubling down at all with him? No, 
And <laughs> I mean, honestly, it's less that I don't, it's less about Le'Veon Bell as a player. And it's more like, I just don't trust Adam Gase to put him in a good situation. He, I think mm-hmm. either their offense is going to be so bad that he's just going to be wildly inefficient again, you know, in that offense, or they're going to like make him part of running back by committee type thing. And I apologize if you can hear, some construction outside my house there no worries digging a sewer trench outside my house right now so i love when that happens (laughs) (laughs) um so we'll try and push through it but yeah i think you know like just at this point i'm just over adam gaze as like i'm Mm. I'm avoiding pretty much anybody that's in that offense except for maybe jamison crowder or something because um i mean we just seen like so many guys leave the yoke of adam gase and all of a sudden become awesome <laughs> in fantasy and the right. opposite is true like when they're in his offense it's just i just like don't i'm not going to take a risk on that like i i actually think Le'Veon bell is like probably properly priced at this point like you can still you can get him where he is now and that's like you can feel fine about it. you're not reaching on him i don't think but um it's kind of the same discussion we had with, with David Johnson. Like I'd just way rather take a different guy in that area. I'd way rather just kind of bank on um, like a potential breakout star yeah. than, than kind of have to go through the season and, and have Le'Veon Bell in my, in my lineup. I don't know. It's just, he's just not, it's just not somebody I'm going to be drafting. Hey, I'm I'm in the same boat too. Again, it not not doubling down at all. Um, they they also bring in you know Gase special Frank Gore, who might be like seventy at this point, but still continues to just ball out. Even when he was with the 2018 Dolphins, those two were together, Gore and and Gase. And 35-year-old Gore at the time, you know, got 168 touches to Drake, who we've just seen break out once he left the Gase bubble with 173. You know, they, they were within yeah. five touches of each other. It, it just – he always mismanages his talent. He does, Nobody in the locker room clearly respects him after all yeah. these comments just, from Jamal yeah. Adams leaving. Like, it, it's horrendous. I get they improved the line somewhat. I mean, yeah, what are you not going to be 29th? You'll be maybe 25th at the end of the year. It wasn't any huge moves or steps forward. They don't really add any offensive firepower that excites me. Brashad Perriman is a late round stab intrigues me a little bit, but you know, Robbie Anderson's yeah. now gone. So it's like, are you getting the poor man's version of Robbie Anderson to replace him? Denzel Mims an intriguing talent, but nothing about the, the, the moves they made make me think the line or the offense as a whole takes a step up. Gase, yeah. as you already pointed out, a, a huge negative for anybody, including Le'Veon Bell. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I'm with you. Not not going back in on Le'Veon Bell, not going back on David Johnson, especially A.J. Brown or some of these exciting wide receivers. It's why I keep hammering running back, running back, running back, because there is that drop-off to like, oh, now we're just going for volume guys that really don't excite us. I'd rather, if I, if possible, if the right guys fall to me, I mean, now Clyde edwards Lair never makes it out of round even one anymore. There was a time where he would kind of yeah. fall to the top of round two or uh, – or uh, the bottom round two, early round three. Now, now we're not getting that sadly, but there's still, you know, even Melvin Gordon sometimes in that range. Like to me, there's definitely either a bell cow that would excite me more um, or the wide receivers at that point, just really, really uh, bring a lot more to the table, a lot more excitement. And I guess one last running back in that kind of like lumped in tier, but maybe more exciting. I don't know. Let's let's hear what you think about him. (laughs) Todd Gurley, uh, you know, had a bad knee injury to end uh, 2018 was a horrendous, just 
awful finish that drove down his price. I mean, for a guy that went back to back in a lot of fantasy scoring uh, as the RB one, RB one, and then his price now, you know, RB eight, 14 overall, but still was a little bit of a disappointment, even at that discounted price at the time uh, finishes the RB 16 in points per game. And now he's kind of fallen to that Le'Veon Bell range, 40 overall running back 19 right now. Do you think, you know, out of all these guys, do you think Gurley brings any more to the table? Do you see any upside doubling down with him? Or is this just another one of those running backs to cross off the list? I think, you know, Gurley's, I would take Gurley over the guys that we just talked about. I think that the big thing for me is if he can get back to catching a lot of passes, which I think he can, there's just Mm -hmm. a lot of inherent value there. Like, I do think he, I, I do think his best days are behind him in terms of like his explosiveness, just you know, it's a degenerative knee problem. It's, it's a reality. It's something that he's going to have to deal with. He's on, I think a one-year deal. So the Ram or uh, the Falcons are, you know, clearly not like trying to think long-term with Gurley. They just yeah. want to kind of like, you know, get a experienced, good, versatile back in their backfield. And I think that's what he is. Like he has that ability to catch passes. He can be used in the screen game and, you know, he's still finished, I believe he still finished as like a top 15 running back last year. I can't remember off the top of my head where he finished, but he, you know, it wasn't like this atrocious, atrocious season. And that was with him barely catching any passes. So, um, you know, I think the, the Falcons offense is going to be pretty good. I think they'll give him a lot of chances to, um, score touchdowns in the red zone just because I, you know, they're probably going to be playing in a lot of shootouts. Yes. So maybe he won't be racking up quite as many carries as you want, but, um, he'll still have the opportunity to score and I think he'll have the opportunity to catch some passes. So um, I do think he's a pretty solid value for where he is now. And he's the, he's the kind of guy I'd be willing to take. Yeah. He was the RB 14 in PPR last year. So um, it's not like he just completely fell off the map. I I'd see him as like a solid RB two. Yeah. I think all those cases, especially the one year deal, like why not ride this guy and who else are you going to ride instead of him? Who's behind you yeah. know, Smith, yeah. like, you know, not, yeah, none of those guys. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So there's really no one that seems to be you know, a danger of forcing a committee, tons of available volume that they lead the league in available targets. Um, 261 and Freeman had 70 of those last year. So certainly some available passing game volume, which he could definitely shown it to be a great receiver throughout his career. 190 carries was the fifth most unaccounted carries for over half of their carries last year. So the volume is there. The contract's a great situation. I mean, the the line it should be better because the Rams just probably had yeah. the worst, you know, run blocking line in the league, which was part of why he was so inefficient. Um, there is that the concerns about Dirk Cutter and his running backs, but it, it's been hit or miss. He, he really didn't have a ton to ride. And he had some positives with like Doug Martin having some bounce backs. Maurice Jones drew had huge years in Jacksonville under him. So, you know, if he can stay healthy, obviously a huge gamble right now with the knee, but that's baked into the price. So he's, yeah. he's one yeah. of the guys, I think I'd rather have James Connor. I'd probably rather double down on him first, but if connor has gone, I'm certainly going to double down on Gurley uh, before I go to some of those other guys that we've been talking about. That's kind of where I fall on yeah. this one. Um, yeah. Now moving more to the uh, the wide receivers and, and some quarterbacks as well. Uh, the, the probably the biggest pairing that busted real hard was Baker Mayfield, who was selected on average as the quarterback four. I had him at number two last year for my quarterback, so that was a complete f- face plant. I really expected that next huge breakout season and. 
finishes. We, did, we all did. I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah exactly. Uh, QB 20, QB 29 in PPR per, per game points. Uh, it was just a fiasco with Freddie Kitchens there. And then Odell, yeah. you know, unsurprisingly, if, if Baker t- tanks that bad, his main target, Odell Beckham, also really tanked. You know, everybody all hyped up about him going and, and getting away from Eli Manning and unshackled. Goes at wide receiver three, finishes as wide receiver 33 in points per game. Uh, <laughs> what about these two? Do, do you think, you know, in a new regime that they bounce back? Are you going to double down at all? Or is it still kind of a void for you? I'm willing to double down. I, I, I'm especially more, I'm much more interested in Odell than Baker. I think if, if I'm taking a late round QB in like a one quarterback league, Baker's not necessarily the guy I'm targeting, but I do think I, I am bullish on both of these guys kind of bouncing back. I just think everything that could have kind of gone wrong for them last year did, like you said, Freddie yeah. Kitchens, his offense was a disaster. It looked nothing like the offense that we saw in the second half of uh, 2018 when Baker was like playing really, really well. I think Baker ended up really, really um, like forcing a lot of stuff. It is like he was playing like the Jameis Winston hero ball style thing where he actually had, um, I believe, 15 interceptions from clean pocket, which was second worst only to Jameis Winston last year. So he was, it was clearly that he was just to me forcing it or you're not seeing what he was supposed to be seeing. Um, and I think that can kind of, especially when you kind of look at how well he played as a rookie, I think that kind of, you, you point to me, that points to like the scheme, the preparation and the coaching and all that, because, you know, Baker's been a very accurate, good decision maker in college and, and, and as a rookie. So um, to me, I'm going kind of with just, there was so many issues with the offense, so many issues with the coaching staff. They, and then he ended up pressing a lot and, and it just, the, the on-field product was just not good. So, I think he, to me, is a strong candidate to break, uh, to break, to bounce back next year. Um, I'm not necessarily like seeing him as like a huge, huge target for me, but I do think the overall the offense is going to be better. I think that offense, at least that we think that Stefanski is going to run kind of what they ran in Minnesota the year prior, where it's a lot of play action, a lot of run, like balanced, and then take some deep shots. I think that plays well into Mayfield's like skill set where he's like I said he's not trying to be the hero he's not trying to be the guy he's just part of the system where he can kind of use his accuracy use his talent um in an effective way so there's a lot of caveats here just because it's a new offense it's a shortened off season you know there's so many kind of things that could go against this but um ultimately I do think that offense is going to be better they have a good offensive line they have two really good backs and I think the scheme will be much better. And I think Stefanski will put him in situations where he's not being, he's not being forced to press quite as much. So I think that will, that will show up in his efficiency. I, I totally agree with pretty much all these points right here uh, that, I, that I'm not really targeting Baker necessarily, but I could see him really bouncing back real life wise. I mean, the reason I don't necessarily want him in fantasy, it's a low volume pass attack. If Stefanski yeah. does what he did last year, 30th in overall attempts, but the efficiency that this spikes for Kirk Cousins his best TD percentage of his career, best interception percentage of his career, best quarterback ranking of his career uh, and adjusted air yards per attempt. So they do kind of air it out when they find, 
finally do take to the air in that that play action heavy, as you suggested. And that is one of Mayfield's strengths off play actions. Last year, he completed 66.5% of his passes with 11 TDs, six interceptions, not great, but 102 and a half, uh, you know, passer rating, which was just wildly further down, you know, 11 TDs and 15 interceptions and a 68.8 ranking when not using play action last year and a 56% completion percentage. So he definitely is a better play action quarterback than just, uh, then or he, he has historically performed better. So more of that certainly will play into his strengths. So I, I just need to see him though, if I'm even going to consider him and any of these weapons, like I got to see his face and see is he is that, that chubby Baker face. Is it going to be trimmed down? And is he worked <laughs> out and is he shredded and, and back yeah. to like, I'm actually committed to football because there were some signs that this guy was just not taking the off season seriously last right. year. Right. And, and it, it clearly trickled down and he said all the right things so far. I need to see what he looks like when he shows up to camp because he definitely did not show too great. Odell, I'm on the fence on because I, I would love to double down the town. I, I mean, he's one of those guys, the opposite of David Johnson, where out of spite, I don't want to go back to him. He won me a bunch of year leagues his rookie year. You know, you hold those guys like in your fantasy heart and you're like, I have to get him again. Mm-hmm. So I love Odell um, just for what he's done for me historically. I love the talent. I think he's a beast. I do worry about the volume. I mean, Stefan Diggs also a great, talented guy. I think he was like 30th or something in, in targets. Uh, 94 targets was significantly low. He yeah. did get used really well down the field. I mean, led the league on deep ball yardage with 635 of them. All six of his TDs were on deep throws of 20-plus yards. So I think that all fits Odell really well. Yeah, I, I just, you know, the volume worries um, and these like lately the, the comments about him not being fully all in worry me slightly but i am like you i I would definitely be more willing to go in on odell right now baker just doesn't really excite me for fantasy even if he does have that real life bounce back um another receiver though that i definitely am going in on as a double down candidate and i think most people are but that's adam Thielen. he's selected last year wide receiver 10 24 overall gets you know slowed with injuries wide receiver 45 and points per game uh but still right now in earlier in the offseason i feel like we could get him a little bit cheaper he's falling around yeah. four at times now he's going to mid-round three he's still the wide receiver 10 despite the down year so it seems like most people are buying back in on him are you going to be one of them yeah he's one of my he's like one of my big targets this season i think just i think you know, especially with Diggs going to Buffalo, he's the guy there now in, in Minnesota. It's a low-volume offense, but he's like the clear-cut number one. Um, you know, Justin Jefferson, I think, is another very interesting sort of late-round pick just because I think he's really good, and I think he'll still he'll get volume as a rookie. But to me, that mind-meld connection between between Thielen and Cousins yeah. is going to be a, is, is a really good thing this year. Thielen was dealing with injuries all of last season. That was a huge, huge factor that obviously, like, held him back. Um, when you look at the previous two seasons, I think he was like the wide receiver seven and the wide receiver eight, like getting him last year as the wide receiver 10, almost felt like a, like a value based on the previous couple seasons. But he, again, he got hurt and that was a big, huge, you know, factor in, in why he, you know, didn't pan out as a fantasy player. So, um, I think assuming he stays healthy, he's going to have a huge year. He could be one of those few guys that, that ends up, you know, getting 130 plus, you know, targets just based on even if, you know, obviously it's a low volume passing offense, but if you're the guy, you're still, you're going to have the opportunities. So um, he's a good, he's good deep down the field. He's a really good route runner. I think he's just, you know, people are kind of forgetting about him. He's a good post type sleeper right now. 
Yeah, I, I I love all those points. I mean, especially even in that low volume scheme, Gary Kubiak, you know, taking over for Stefanski, kind of influenced the offense all last year. But I mean, he's typically peppered his number one guy, thousand yard receivers in 19 of 23 seasons, 131 targets for his number one in 17 of 23, 150 targets in 10 of those 23 and 90 plus catch paces in 12 of 23. So, I mean, definitely history's on the side volume wise, a guy that I'm also looking to bounce back on and, and double down on, especially at his current price right now is Brandon cooks. He was, you know, the wide receiver 16 last year, right at the end of round three, obviously, you know, injuries and whatnot just finishes horrendously at wide receiver 70. Um, the first time though, ever he was below the wide receiver 21 in fantasy points per game. And now he's falling to 79 overall, the wide receiver 33. He's Deshaun Watson's number one. And I, I mean, he's been so, so consistent despite how many different teams he's been on. It's just a thousand yards, thousand yards, almost routinely before last year. And I just love how he could potentially fit in here. You know, he's not Deandre Hopkins. He He's not going to see that type of volume, but even if, you know, he's that number one for Deshaun Watson, one of the best deep balls in the NFL, which is obviously what cooks does fifth in deep yardage last year, second in deep TDs, first in pro football focuses, adjusted deep completion percentage. So this, the molding of these strengths seems to me to be a great fit. Maybe it's Will Fuller who takes it over, but who knows if he can stay on the field. I, I really like Cooks at that, you know, eighth round or so price that he's kind of going at right here. Do you bounce back? Do you double down on Cooks, or what do you think of him? Um, I think you make uh, like you make really good points. I'm not personally like super excited about Cooks, but I'm excited about Will Fuller, which I think is kind of the same deal. Like both of these guys have injury situations that are concerning. Obviously, Cooks has had multiple concussions, so that is a serious you know, thing that you have to keep in mind, you know, if he has another concussion, he might, he might miss significant time. So um, I think the same could be said about Will Fuller, who's battled all kinds of different injuries, can't really seem to stay healthy, but I think both, both guys, and I'm, I'm slightly higher on Fuller, but I think both are good values where they are because they have that, they have that chance. It wouldn't be totally shocking to see either of these guys finish as like a high end wide receiver two or low end wide receiver one. Um, Fuller particularly is just one of those guys who, scores points in bunches and um you know like you said deshaun watson not afraid to air it out like the, they're going to be in shootouts so um i think you know i i would say i would probably give the analysis kind of the same analysis for both will fuller and brandon cooks and that they're actually going really sim- similar area um in the 80s you know right now i see on on fantasy pros cooks is wide receiver 35 fuller 36 in ppr um kind of depends on the list you look at but um yeah so they're right there in the same range. And I think that makes a lot of sense. I would, I would lean fuller, but I wouldn't blame anyone for going with cooks. Cooks actually has a, a much better track record in fantasy. So um, I think right now just the injury history is like really baked into to both of those guys' price, but it, it makes a lot of sense. The volume is going to be there. I think all that makes total sense. So I know we only have five minutes. I want to jump to the no huddle offense. The only other two guys I had written down, you can just kind of say yes or no, if you're going to double down back on them uh, from last year, Aaron Rodgers, yes or no, you doubling back down? No. Curtis Samuel. Yes. I like Curtis Samuel. Actually he had like his disparity between air yards and, and receiving yards was 
just absolutely ludicrous. So yeah. I think he's going to have some like positive aggression, have better quarterback play. Um, sounds like they might try and use him as like a running back a little bit. I just think there's, he's just such a talented player that I think it, the, that's going to bear out in, in fantasy. He's a really good value. Agreed on both. No on Rogers and definitely on Curtis Samuel, especially at his price for all the points you mentioned. Alrighty. Let's rip you real quick. If I had to cut it short, I'll cut it short. We got 20 gut okay. reactions. All you got to do is give me the player. If there's any you expand upon, you're welcome to, but not necessary. I'm going to run you through the no huddle offense. You ready? All right. Um, after Let's Christian McCaffrey, I'm going to, and I'm switching this one as we go, because everybody says Saquon. So after McCaffrey and Saquon, who should go at number three overall? Oh, I'm going to go off the rails a little bit and go with Kamara. The next Dalvin Cook or round two running back who's top five in 2021 will be? Mm, Miles Sanders, I guess. Who's your? Do you have a favorite fantasy team name that you've either had or seen in the past? <laughs> I thought about this. But the one that kind of came to my mind was my friends had one called Perfect Strangers. And I don't know why, but I think that's funny. That is fantastic. I love a good, a good player name pun that you haven't seen before. That's great. Yeah. Uh, what about the next Chris Godwin? Round four or five receiver who explodes into the elite will be? Oh, that's a really tough one. I, I mean, I think, does A.J. Brown qualify for that area? I'd say so. He falls to yeah. round four sometimes, yeah. Or I'd say either A.J., this is my favorite three guys, A.J. McLaurin or D.K. Metcalf. Love them all. 2020's Mark Andrews or breakout tight end will be? Ooh, this one's fun. I'm going to say Sternberger, but I also think uh, Will Disley is like this random dark horse. Apparently he's just Wolverine and can heal uh, against any injury that he gets. So he's apparently he's like on track for week one. So yeah. Love that call. I actually just tweeted about him this morning. I love it. Um, do you have a most hated NFL player for fantasy specific reasons? Not really. I, the Actually, the guy that I was going to mention is James Conner, just because there's a bad taste in my mouth from last year. But I, mm-hmm. I don't think I, I don't hate him. I just actually would take him again. But um, yeah, he, he ruined me in the Ringer Fantasy League last year. So I'm a little bitter. Absolutely. If there's somehow another Lamar Jackson or Pat Mahomes, it would be. Mm, I'm going Burrow because I think he could I think he could actually be a pretty good. He's like josh allen as a runner like he's really athletic as a runner um not as big but i think he could be the kind of guy like scores five six touchdowns with his feet too really interesting which early rounder first or second is gonna bust the hardest Ooh, that's a tough one um what do you feel about mixing hmm interesting speaking of the Bengals, um i'm just a little like i don't know if i really buy into the mixin being like the top tier guy Really interesting. Uh, who will you not leave those middle rounds five through six without making sure you get blank? Mm, that's a really good question. Let me take a look. Let's see here. Sorry, this is supposed to be lightning round, but I'm looking at <laughs> five or six. Oh man. I mean, not to repeat, but McLaurin, the other guy that I want to repeat, talk, that's fine. Absolutely. <laughs> love Mc, love McLaurin in that range. The other guy who I think is really undervalued is Deandre Swift. I think people mm. are forgetting how good he is. And, you know, he was like a top, like, DV guy, Devi, whatever you ever say it, for mm-hmm. a long, for like years. And, and really, until like a month, until basically the combine, he was basically the consensus number one guy in Dynasty. Um, and then obviously his landing spot hurt him. But I think, I don't think his landing spot is as bad as people think. 
the next sophomore after AJ Brown that you would take would be uh, McLaurin or DK. Probably DK, just because mm-hmm. I'm a Seahawks homer. Love it. Alvin Kamara, James Conner, Eckler were all top five running backs that fell after round seven. If there was going to be one of those in 2020, it would be? Mm. That one's really tough because there's not like, there's not really guys that I like in that range um, mm. for that. Maybe like, this is not actually, this is a terrible answer, but like Ronald Jones, maybe like, because he's, people are, people think he sucks basically. And that's why he, he's fallen. But I think he could be the starter in Tampa Bay. If he gets on, if he gets on Tom Brady's like good side, watch out. Love it. And two more here. I've got a few more. I'd love to ask you, but I know you got to get going after Michael Thomas or Devonte Adams. What should be the number third, three receiver in fantasy? Tyreek. And what is your boldest 2020 fantasy prediction? And just remind our listeners where they can connect and find your work. Oh, shit. <laughs> I, did, I did not pre-think this one. Uh, I get, I'm actually going to say my Ronald Jones one is my boldest. Like that is Ronald bold, Jones yeah. being like a high-end RB2. How about that? Very um, cool. <laughs> and then, yeah, you can find me at theringer.com, at the Ringer Fantasy Football Show, the podcast. And then, um, yeah, check out the Ringer Fantasy Football Draft Guide. It is fantastic, and it is 100% free. You're doing yourself a disservice if you don't check it out. Danny, thank you so much for your time. I really, really appreciate it, man. No problem. Thank you. All right. We used to have it all, but now's our curtain call. So hold for the applause. Oh, 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 oh. And wave out to the crowd and take our final bow. Oh, it's our time to go. But at least we stole the show 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 Old-fashioned football right there, folks.